holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast, right here on arsblog.oleole.com. Hope we find you well this particular Friday, and as I'm assuming your mood and everything in your life is entirely dependent on the fortunes of Arsenal on the pitch. So based on that, I'm, I'm reckoning you're all right. You're in fairly chipper form, because for Arsenal things have been going quite well, have they not? Spurs and AZ Alkmaar? Discussion of those two games to come and the rest of the week's news in a few minutes' time with a man from East Lower. As well as that, an exclusive. And Arsblog always brings you exclusives. Why has Stan Kroenke been silent? He's now our largest shareholder. Why is he so silent? We find out a little bit later on. The man himself will be on the phone, so maybe then we'll find out why it is he, do- he doesn't like talking. Uh, we've got some old-style news. We've also got TalkShite Radio and more. And we should have had, actually, a celebrity guest on this week's Arscast. It's true. Alan Davies. Him from QI and Jonathan Creek and all kinds of other stuff. Um, he was uh, due to be on the show. Well, he, he should have been, only there was problems with the sound quality. And, and um, we'd done the arrangements for the interview, and he sent me an email. He said, look, I can't, I'll give you a ring because I've dropped my telephone down the toilet. And um, he used a different telephone. But I suspect we might have been better with the one that was actually dropped down the toilet. And unfortunately, we couldn't use uh, the interview on this week's Ironscast. The quality uh, was just too bad. So hopefully we'll get him back again. As an aside, though, he's just started his own podcast, his own Arsenal podcast. It's called It's Up for Grabs Now. You can find it on iTunes. It's very different from the Arscast. I don't mean that the way. You know where people say, well, it's different. No. But it is. It's just different. A different type of format. Stream of consciousness stuff. Himself and uh, a number of others sitting around talking about Arsenal non-stop for about half an hour, 35 minutes. And I quite enjoyed it, I have to say. It's up for grabs now. It's available on iTunes. So, um, since the last time we spoke, which was last Friday, I had an ungodly start on uh, Saturday morning last. You know, 12.45 kickoffs are great for TV and you're just getting out of bed and going into your sitting room and turning on, sit there hung over and watch television at quarter to one, it's fantastic. But if you have to get from Dublin to London, it's not so fantastic. Five o'clock or five o'clock in the morning or quarter past five the taxi came. That's no time at all, is it, to be getting up? Unless you're a milkman. I would have said postman, but my postman doesn't come till two o'clock in the afternoon most of the time. Which is handy, I suppose. I thought Postman... I mean, maybe he's got loads and loads of houses to deliver to, but used to come really early, and now he comes at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But anyway, 5 o'clock in the morning, arrive at Dublin Airport about, I don't know, quarter to 6, check in, have a couple of gin and tonics. 
because it's important to have gin and tonics before one flies and end up in the pub in London at 10 o'clock in the morning before you even know what's going on. There's a pint of Guinness in front of you at 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, well. A marvellous day out, I have to say. Discussion of the football uh, will come in, in just a few minutes' time, but just a great day out. A great day in the stadium, a great day with loads of the Irish blog folk who met at the Tollington uh, for pints and laughs and songs and reminiscing about old times. No, we just had a great laugh. It was a brilliant day. And of course, you know, beating Spurs 3-0 makes a big difference to your day because you're sitting in Gatwick later on that night because you flew back the same night and you're you're sitting there exhausted because you've been up at 5 o'clock at Milkman Hour and you're sitting there going, oh, I'm so tired. (laughs) But the fact that you've beaten Spurs 3-0, it takes the edge off it. It's like football Valium. It's the only way I can describe it. A marvellous day out. Great to see everyone again, and uh, we'll have to do that again very, very soon. Brilliant. And I didn't get called a jinx, which was fantastic. Even though the last two times I've been, we haven't lost. Hey, there was the whole game, but I accept no responsibility for that. I was not the one, for example, who was texting my whole-base relatives crowing about what I was going to do when the goals went in. Was I? I was not. I know a man who was, though. And if you would like his uh, contact details, I'll give them to you. I'll sing like a fucking canary. Seriously. Just ask. I know. Got a really shit first name, though, as well. That bloke. Whoever he is. Um, So, uh, that was fantastic. Put them right back in their place, and then midweek... Um, some wonderful football, uh, which we'll discuss now with the uh, the man from East Lower. Hello there. Hi, hi, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. And we'll start with uh, AZ Alkmaar in midweek. One of those nights um, that when Arsenal click, the, the praise is almost universal the way we play football. Um, sometimes we don't necessarily get the results our performances deserve, but uh, 4-1 was very convincing on the night. It was very convincing. It was actually... Um... I mean, I think it was a, a bit easy, uh, you know, for us. And whether that's because we were exceptionally good, which we were, and whether that's because uh, they weren't good enough, well, I don't know. But I, I th- I, we we certainly played really, really well. Three of the four goals, you could argue all four of them actually, but three of the four were really, really you know, fantastic goals. So um, it was great, great fun, really. I mean, I don't think having having been there last night, I don't think uh, the crowd ever anticipated anything but a but a win. But nevertheless, it was uh, it was good, great fun, and, and you know now the goal fest. Mm, I, I'm in ten out of ten at home this season. Ten wins out of ten games, and you know, I think as I mentioned in the blog, you, you begin to get the feeling that both the the players and the fans are now expecting a home win, which is um, I know the weight of expectation can be difficult at times, but for the opposition teams that are coming to see Arsenal win ten games out of ten to score thirty three goals at home so far this season. You know, they're not, they're coming and aware of that, and I think it, it's a, it's an advantage for us. Well, it's no doubt, yeah. It's, it really is. And uh, I suppose it's a, a contrast to, to last season when there was a time, wasn't there, mid-season mm. in particular, but but not just mid-season because we lost a couple of early games too, when um, when really the fans, we didn't quite know what to expect. So uh, now I think I would call it sort of cautious uh, optimism because I think we've been through quite a lot with uh, this team and it's sort of growing pains and, and who knows there might be some more to come but um, uh, I think uh, a really good buzz around uh, at home games at the moment much 
much better than it was uh, last season. So that's that's really exciting. And it's not surprising, like you say, we scored a bag load of goals and um, playing really, really well. So uh, uh, what more can you ask for at the moment? Mm, and of course, the atmosphere on on Wednesday night would have carried over from, from last Saturday when um, we, we beat Spurs 3-0 and, and put them not so much back in their place, but just reminded them a little bit that it's not necessarily a good idea to start crowing about how strong you are and how good you are when you're not, you're not really. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, you know, I, I think I um, slightly fell for the hype uh, in as much as, yeah. And I think we can all agree that, that you know, Spurs have signed, um, they've been on a signing spree, spent a lot more money than we have. Mm-hmm. And some of those players are good. There's no denying it. But um, so I, I was kind of uh, logging it a bit on Saturday morning. But maybe, <laughs> maybe that's just the normal kind of pre Spurs. Uh, uh, tummy rumbles but um, but no in the end um, it was quite close wasn't it sort of for the first half, half hour in as yeah. much as we hadn't scored and they'd had a couple of half quarter perhaps quarter chances but um, as soon as that goal went in it was it was just hilariously fun it was brilliant <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the the first goal went in, which kind of came out of nowhere. And then before you even know what's happening, the second goal has gone in. And Harry Redknapp puts puts it down to to diabolical Spurs defending. He said it was suicidal. I mean, it, it's just a simple fact of giving the ball away in midfield. I think that goal has been underrated. Um, on the commentary, you know, watching it afterwards, you know, they're talking about this is one of the great Derby goals. And then you're reading Harry Redknapp saying, well, it was all our fault. But I mean, to go from essentially the halfway line straight through and plant it in, in the bottom corner from Fabregas, it's got to be one of the, the best Derby goals of all time. I think it really is. I, I think um, I think it is on, on lots of levels, part, partly because, you know, like you say, there was a lot of uh, hype before the game about. Spurs players coming out saying that they were, you know, as good as us. Then there was the whole thing about, um, well, I suppose the fact that it, that it had been pretty tight up to that point. Um, and then just the fact that you can walk a goal in after 11 seconds having scored the last one. I don't remember ever having got anywhere near that as a fan. Mm. Uh, and I suppose it kind of compares with that one Omri scored at Highbury when he waltzed through and scored a brilliant goal. Um, in, in as much as it was completely, you know, one man against the what seemingly the whole of the Spurs back line, it was brilliant. And I don't know, I don't think those goals will come around that frequently, which is why it was celebrated, um, you know, as, as if we'd won the bloody World Cup. It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I read your blog, of course, and the, the phone going one way, the season ticket going the other way. And, yeah. you know, it, I, it was almost primal, wasn't it? That kind of the disbelief that we'd done it, you know, we, we killed them inside you know, the best part of a minute between the, the first goal and the second goal, uh, yeah. the game was over and you kind of knew the game was over, even though, you know, we'd been down that West Ham road and we, you know, 2-0, you're never quite sure. But, I mean, you knew on the day that they were they were never going to recover from that. Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I think I, I knew, uh, or rather, I mean, maybe, maybe you're a bit more optimistic than me. I, I kind of thought, it was only afterwards and I realised there was no way they would have come back from that. But you know what it's like in the heat, heat of the match. I still thought, unless, until we've got a third, then... Then um, you know there's always the chance for nerves, but um, but when we got that third, it, it was real party time. And, and you know when you're hugging men you've never met before, that that uh, something exciting's happened. You know, so, especially, but, especially at three uh, at that time of the afternoon. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't normally hug men at twelve forty-five in the afternoon. But, no, yeah, much yeah, more, much more a late at night pastime. <laughs> that's it. I mean, you know, it was it was just it was it was brilliant. What and the and. It was also amusing that I think probably all three of their goals were could have been prevented. You know, yeah. 
Um, I know Gomez had made a, a half decent save, or a pretty decent save before, but um, he probably should have saved the first one. He was definitely a fault for the third. And as for the second one, well, I mean, you know, it's pinned the fault on the on the donkey's tail, isn't it? I mean, who, yeah. who anyone, any one of them, really? Mm. And thank you, Palacios, for giving us the ball back. Very, very kind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Cesc Fabregas. Uh, I, I know we can talk about how good he is and uh, what a young age he is, but you get the feeling that um, he's really got the bit between his teeth this season, that he wants to win something. And and whereas in other positions, maybe we've got uh, cover. For example, you know, Arshavin is a great player, but we can put Vela there or we can put Rosicki there or Nasri there or Eduardo there. You know, we can rotate and, and, and cope with the absence of, you know, any one of the forward players or even a couple of the forward players. At the back, maybe you might talk about Gallus and Vermalen, but, you know, in the short term, we could probably cope with them. But but Fabregas this season, um, I mean, we've seen him play well. And we've seen him go through through patches of good form before. But, I mean, this, eight goals already this season. I don't know how many assists. 11, I mean, it, it, 11 assists. I think I read it was 11 assists and eight goals in 14 appearances. <laughs> I mean, how how on earth do you replace that if, if something happens to him? And I don't want to be negative. I'm just, I'm just trying to say that, you know, he really is the guy who's, mm. who's leading this team. Well, I think I think you've kind of answered the question. You, you can't, uh, I suppose, you know, in the same way that uh, that Liverpool have Gerrard and Torres, who are clearly a sort of league above anyone else they've got. Um, and I think we've got some absolutely awesome, probably you know, two or three world class players. And he is definitely he's the main man. He's just awesome. And you look you look at you look back at when he took his when was his debut when he was fifteen or sixteen for us. Sixteen, and yeah. You don't put a player in at that age unless they have something just a bit extra and uh, and he's he's so got that and last year you know he was injured a lot so it wasn't he wasn't uh you know at his as good as he perhaps uh has been in the past and, and is now but he is he's pretty much irreplaceable now i mean uh it, but we'll probably have to face up to the fact that he won't be playing every single game this season so we're going to need to work out a, a sort of plan b there aren't we but he's on fire at the moment yeah i mean that that incident in the Alkmaar game when he who's at the back post trying to head one in from a, a, a cross from the left back is Cesc Fabregas he just wants to score all the time yeah he's he's just you know he's on a massive high he's playing some of the best football he's ever played he's 100% fit um He's just such a superb player. He, uh, you don't want to have to think about him being injured or, you know, he's, he's, he is a, a superb player. At his age as well, 22, mm. it's an unbelievable uh, yeah. um, player. And I, I, people are now talking about him as being you know, one of the best midfielders in, in Europe. And, and I have to say, he's got to be. Absolutely. No question. I mean, who else has got eight goals and 11 assists? You know, the the creator or scorer of 19 goals so far this season. We're only just gone into November. Anyway, we'll keep our fingers crossed about him. Um, Stan Kroenke has pushed up his shareholding to 29.9%. Um, whether a takeover is inevitable is a question. When it's going to happen is another big question. You know, I, how should we feel about that? You know, given the fact we all had a little bit of a laugh, didn't we, about the Glazers when they came in and took over at Manchester United and we threw dollars at them. And, and here we are on the precipice, as it were, of of being owned by an American ourselves. How do you feel about it in, in general? Um, I, I've always... I, I've always quite liked the status quo, uh, having lots of owners, many of whom have 
who, whose relationships with Arsenal have gone back two, three, four generations, or mm. th three anyway. Um, so I don't know. I've always been a bit cautious about it. And, and um, uh, with Kroenke, uh, what I would say, I suppose, which is kind of the same line as the Arsenal Supporters Trust, as I understand it, is that, you know, if he was to take over and just buy it outright with with money that he already had, then then you know that's that's not a bad model. But if he was going to come in and add yet more debt onto an already pretty debt laden club, mm. then I, I don't really see that that's beneficial to Arsenal at all. Now we don't know what his plans are. We don't even know whether he definitely wants to make a takeover. But it looks that way. Mm. So it's I would say you know um, it's it's a shame that there aren't uh, there aren't sort of more local investors but football isn't like that anymore mm. um so i'll give him the benefit of the doubt but if he, if he takes over and then saddles a club with 300 million quid or 200 million quid more debt then you know that's not that wouldn't be great would it no i mean i do we have to um trust the judgment of the board here a bit given the fact that they've rejected uh, rights issues and and share issues and that kind of thing which would do which would do you know uh, free up cash etc cetera, etc cetera. you know that they've they've built the club to to this point at, uh, using this very sustainable model are they then going to shirk all that responsibility and sell it to somebody who's going to saddle us with a with a load of debt i mean maybe i'm being naive or a little bit um What's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of the word, but, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit naive thinking they wouldn't necessarily. Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry, iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Early do that. Is is that the case? What do you think? Well, you, you, there is there is that that they've had a chance to you know for the last eighteen months or however long it is to get to know him. And obviously, Peter Hillwood's opinion of him has changed a lot, given that he didn't want his sort to start with, and only today he sold him some shares. So mm. he's obviously um, you know uh, found out a bit more about him and, and likes what he sees. And so yeah, I guess to, to some point we take that as um, as a positive thing, but. Mm. Uh, but until you know, he didn't, he's silence. He's not called silence stand for nothing. He never he never says anything. So we don't really know what his um what his plans are, and uh, we just have to wait and see, won't we? But you know, as as owners go, potential owners go. There's a hell of a lot worse. Um, that's my kind of current feeling. Sure. But but you can't you can't endorse him 100 percent until you know how he's planning to do it. Mm. And should we take some comfort in the fact that his his facial hair is far better than? Than that of the Glazers, he's got a kind of wispy ginger beard, and and Kroenke's got a mustache, kind of like the guy from The Big Lebowski. Is yeah, I think, be... I think I think Kroenke's just um, you know he's he's obviously doing something for Movember, isn't he? <laughs> um, 
Although, having said that, his, his tash has been there a lot longer. Year we round, don't man. have enough good tashes in football. I agree. Uh, so um, that, that's got to be a good thing. And beards. We don't have enough beards, really, in football. No, we don't have enough beards either, although you, you say that, but haven't the Glazers got some beards? Well, yeah, they do. But players, I'm talking about. We should have more bearded players, I think. Yeah, yeah maybe you're right. I mean, Melberg, when he was at Villa, he had a magnificent beard, didn't he? We don't mm-hmm. have a huge amount of beards. So I don't know what you're saying here. Are you leaning towards basically accepting anyone that will take a club over as long as they've got a good beard or a tash? Yeah, maybe. Maybe the facial hair is, you know, that's a, the measure of a man. Tony Grealish had a fine beard back in the day, and West Brom never went wrong under Tony Grealish, did they? I honestly couldn't possibly well, there comment. Go. I think probably we should leave it there. And <laughs> the man from East Lower, thank you very much. No problem, cheers. And you can check out his blog, which you'll find at www.eastlower.co.uk. Still to come, we'll be looking ahead to the Wolves game this weekend. As well as that, TalkShite Radio. But now, some news. Shocking news today as police confirmed the death of Tottenham striker Robert Robbie Keane. They say he died after putting his foot too far into his own mouth. The football world has come together in mourning. Arsenal chairman Peter Hillwood said, He's truly a sad loss to us all in a game of football. <laughs> Fuck you, you paddy cunt. The family have requested no visitors to their caravan. Now, as Stan Kroenke draws ever closer to the 30% mark, where he'd have to make an offer for all the shares in in the club, uh, you know, we're left wondering why it is that he's so quiet. Why is he so silent? And Arsblog being Arsblog, we have got an exclusive interview with the man himself. Stan Kroenke, welcome to the Arscast. Very nice to be on your show, I have to say. Well, uh, I think that the question most people would ask is is why it is, you know... you don't speak when you come to the shareholders' meetings or, or the AGM. Well, there's a reason why I don't speak in public too much, and I, I guess after hearing me this evening, you and your listeners know what that is. Ah, yes, I suppose the the high-pitched nature of your speaking voice That's is a bit... right. I've got a very slight lisp. Sometimes it's more noticeable than others, but I'm very self-conscious about it. Which is why I'm called Silent Stan. Um, well, I have to say, I, I didn't even notice until you mentioned it, honestly. Uh, we better leave it there, though, Stan Kroenke. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'll be owning you soon. Bye-bye. That is Arsenal's majority shareholder, Stan Kroenke. 29.9% he has now of the club, and um, I suppose you have to wonder what's going to happen. In the very near future. Will he buy the few shares that he needs to push him over the edge? I mean, he can he can buy more shares and, and make an offer for the company. The, the other shareholders don't have to accept. If he gets over 50% and they do accept, and you know, if he gets that figure, I think uh, it's considered that he, the takeover has been successful. I don't know the ins and outs of it. All I know is that he's very, very close now uh, to getting to that point where he may have to make an offer for all the shares in the club. I think probably, as the supporters trust have been saying, is that he's he's getting as close as he can without going over it. Um, consolidating his position. That 100 of the shares came from the chairman, Peter Hillwood, shows that there's a level of, what's the word I'm looking for here? That the board are aware of what it is he's trying to do. And as I was saying to the man from East Lower, you know, you you have to you have to wonder whether or not the board 
having gotten Arsenal to this position, having deliberately um, gone down a path of self-sustainability, of not splashing out money wastefully, you know, are they then going to undo all that good work by selling to a guy who's going to purchase the club with loans? Would they allow that to happen? Are their own needs, are their own desires to sell their shares that important to them that they would do that? I don't think they are. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. A takeover, though, at some point, though, seems somewhat inevitable. Unless we, you know, get the other shares that come. Maybe the Lady Nina shares. Maybe she comes back on board. I doubt it. But maybe some kind of equilibrium will be reached. Where it's not necessary for one person to own the club. Which would probably be the ideal situation. That we're not dependent on one man or one woman uh, in, in owning Arsenal Football Club. And the other thing as well, of course, is that there's the traditional ownership of Arsenal. As a man from East Lower said, it goes back generations in some cases. And here we have an American. I mean, selling out to an American. Wouldn't catch me doing that. Uh, talk shite radio. Isn't there a serious delays in Hull City Centre as a broken down Ferrari causes a big tailback outside the job centre? A very orange man is outside saying the traffic is behind him one million percent. We'll have more traffic in an hour. Thank you, Australian traffic girl. Bitch. Are uh, you listening to Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day? Now, last weekend's North London derby created headlines. All the Wenger brown nose sycophants out talking about how great Arsenal were, how they hadn't lost the North London derby in 10 years, talking about Cesc Fabregas's wonder goal when it was anything but. It was lucky. And Addy Ekinbai could have scored the goals Van Persie did, but no, they're too busy getting on the North London red and white carriage, aren't they? They're afraid to address the real issues. Not me, though. And not Talk Shite Radio. We tell it like it is. Arsenal's treatment of Robbie Keane last weekend was nothing short of despicable. Before the game, the Tottenham captain talked about how much stronger the Tottenham bench was than the Arsenal's one. And what did Arsenal do? They made him look very stupid indeed. And is Robbie Keane a man who deserves to be made look stupid? I don't think so. Here to talk to us about it is Robbie Keane's dad. You must be absolutely gayed at the way they've treated your son. He's a good lad, so he is, you know, and you'll do him absolutely good. All oh, the lads in the pub are taking that awful piss out of me because he looks like a complete spoon now. He didn't deserve that. My heart is quite literally breaking for you here, Mr. Keane. I, for one, was looking forward to seeing Robbie's classy celebration. The whole Down Syndrome somersault and then shoot into the sky thing. It's classy, isn't it? Not even Rockabye Baby comes close, but Arsenal didn't even give him the chance to do that. Oh, I remember we used to practice doing that celebration on the back end. So he did. Uh, he didn't get it right at first, you know. He used to hit his head off the trailer. The doctor said it might affect his brain in later life, but I don't think that's the case. And to be honest with you, you know, I still think that Tottenham have got a stronger bench than Arsenal. You know, it's obvious. Robbie said so, so it has to be true. Well, for me, it boils down to one thing. Do you believe in facts and evidence, 
Or do you believe in the opinion and integrity of a man who is the greatest footballer that Robbie Keane's dad sperm has ever produced? I know what I'm on. What's that? Producers in my ear? Oh, Stan Collymore. Talk shite pundit extraordinaire. He's got something to say on this. Don't mind me. I just like joining in when other people are wanking off. Some people call you an idiot, know-nothing, woman-beating, dogging, half-witted cunt, Stan, but not me. I think you're bang on the money. This is Tilkshite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. We're going to take a short break after we return Phil Brown on why his players think he's better than Jesus. Talkshite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. More from Talkshite Radio on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, at the weekend, it's Wolves. Newly promoted, doing all right, it has to be said. Managed by Mick McCarthy. Used to be the Ireland manager. Stand on the sideline, all you could hear was him shouting, You could hear him from miles away. remember being in my house one night, watching a film. Ireland were playing at Lansdowne Road. I was going, what is that terrible noise over the film? And it was Mick McCarthy. Seriously. It's true. He was shouting at Mark Kinsella. Used to play for Charlton. That's how loud his shouting was. You could hear him all over the city. I'm glad he was fired in the end. But anyway, Wolves, we haven't played them for quite some time. I could be wrong, and I often am, but I seem to remember Oleg Luzhny being part of our team the last time we played them. And I only remember this because we had to drive down somewhere at Christmas time, and we were actually living in Barcelona at the time. And we were driving down and listening to it on the radio. And I think we won 3-0 or 3-1. And Thierry Henry scored at least one. But it was around Christmas time. And I think that's the last time we played Wolves. Now, we've no Thierry Henry, but we've no Christmas either. So I'm hoping for a good win. Because after the Wolves game, we go into an interlull. Because all these... Uh, playoffs are on. You know, France are playing Ireland and Russia are playing some other cunts. And that actually could explain a little bit the whole Arshavin, you know, the last couple of games, the way he hasn't really run around or anything. The, the sort of standing there thing. He's saving himself to make sure that Russia get to the to the World Cup. Maybe so. When he gets his standing right, it's awesome because you see against days at Alkmaar, you got three assists by just standing in the right places. But, you know, some days you just don't stand in those places. But we've got a, an interlull. So to, to get us through that, we need a big win. Not a big win, but a good win against Wolves. It's away from home. And again, it's one of those games where we've got to show that we're focused and, you know, we're not just concentrating on big games. Keep the run going. And with Chelsea and Manchester United playing at the weekend, someone's going to drop points. And it's important that we make sure that we pick up the maximum points from our game so we can take advantage of that. I'm trying to think, would it be better for United to drop points or Chelsea to drop points or a draw would be best, both of them? Probably a draw would be best, wouldn't it? And then we have to think about what we're going to do during the interlull because they appear to be this season more than any other many and f- frequent and and long 
They seem to take much longer than interlulls in the past. And what you find is when you get older, and I'm sure you know this, many of you that are listening, the older you get, the quicker time passes. You go, oh, work is awful. I'm about, holy shit, where did that week go? But when it's interlull time, interlull is like dentist time. No way half an hour in the dentist feels like 14 weeks. Well, that's what interlulls are like. It stretches out time. But anyway, I'm hopeful that we can go into this game at the weekend and carry on where we've been um, carrying on from in games past. We'll be terribly disappointing if we didn't. Some goals, a win, that'll get us through. And then afterwards, mm, some big fixtures. We've got Chelsea, don't we? Let me have a, I'm trying to remember the, uh, the fixtures here. I'm just going to look them up here. I've got a new mouse. It's an Apple Magic mouse. Not quite so magic, but you can't hear it scrolling, can you? Sunderland away, of course, is our first game back. And then Standard Liège, and then Chelsea, and then Carling Cup against Manchester City. And see, it's all going to come thick and fast. So maybe we should just take the opportunity during this interlude to recharge our fanly batteries. I said fanly. So until the next Arscast, which might be next week or the week after, I don't know. Sometimes in the in the interlull, loads of stuff happens and there might be enough material for an Arscast. If not, um, well, uh, it'll be a couple of weeks. Uh, don't blame me. Blame Seth Blatter and Michel Platini and FIFA and UEFA. Not my fault at all. So um, here's to a good win tomorrow. Fingers crossed for the boys. Talk to you on the next Arscast. And of course, you know, until then, on the blog. Bye-bye. And now, a very important message about road safety from Andre Arshavin. Hello. In my country, we have, uh, you know, um, many accidents on the road. And a lot of people die on the road in accident. For me, the problem is very simple. Is because, uh, you know, of women driving. To fix problem is very simple also. To fix problem, you stop men from being allowed to driving. So only people that are allowed on the road to drive are uh, women. Women so terrible at driving that... Um, after short time, all women are dead or terribly injured. Then roads are safe for everyone. Perhaps we also need to keep a few women for breeding stock, you know. Thank you. 
This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.